0: hello everyone what is up welcome back to another episode of killer instinct you guys thank you so much for joining me today if you are new here hi my name is savannah and i am your host of killer instinct before we get started make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button that way you never miss an episode we post weekly on the podcast every wednesday and then again every thursday on youtube and you are not going to want to miss it Now as you guys can tell by the title of today's episode, today we are discussing the solved case of Meredith Emerson and how solving her case uncovered a potential serial killer. Let's jump right on into it today. Meredith Emerson was born on June 20th, 1983 in Charleston, South Carolina. Now after she was born, her and her family moved to Holly Springs, North Carolina, more specifically in Raleigh. After that, they moved to Longmont, Colorado and Meredith graduated from Newitt High School. Then in 2005, she then graduated from the University of Georgia with a bachelor's degree in French. Now, Meredith had many passions. She was super gifted in a bunch of different areas. She was especially talented in one of her passions, which was martial arts, and she actually had her blue belt. So she was definitely not the kind of girl, you wanted to mess with now another one of Meredith's passions was hiking she loved hiking on different trails and being surrounded by nature it was something that she was very very passionate about and something that she loved to do very often and whenever she got the chance now Meredith rarely went hiking alone she pretty much always brought her black lab mix named Ella with her every single time she hiked Meredith actually rescued Ella, and the two of them would go and explore different trails together, and Ella really was the center of Meredith's universe. Meredith was a major dog person, and she herself had two dogs growing up, and when she got a little older and decided that it was the right time, she decided that she wanted to rescue one of her own and when i was doing all this research and getting to know who meredith was it was very clear it's one of those sayings where the owner doesn't rescue the dog the dog rescues the owner it was kind of one of those things i think ella and meredith were both just a match made for each other now in 2008 which is when this case takes place meredith was living in beaufort georgia with her roommate julia and of course ella Now, this case starts out on New Year's Day, January 1st, 2008, and it started out like any normal day. Of course, the prior day was New Year's Eve, so everyone was out partying and having a great time, including Meredith's roommate, Julia. However, Meredith decided to stay in and wake up early in the morning and go for a hike. That's how she wanted to start her new year. So she started her new year by going off on a hike with Ella. Julia actually woke up to a note on their shared chalkboard in their apartment from Meredith saying that she was going to take Ella out on a hike with a little smiley face at the end of it. Again, this was something that Meredith did very frequently, so Julia really didn't think anything of it. Now the trail that Meredith was going to hike that day was a trail called Blood Mountain. Now Blood Mountain is actually the highest peak on the Georgia section of the Appalachian Trail and the sixth tallest mountain overall in Georgia. Its highest elevation is at 4,448 feet and the trail itself is about a 5.7 mile loop. And according to the trail community, it is a pretty challenging route. Now on average, it takes someone about three hours and 20 minutes to complete from start to finish, but even though it is on the little more challenging side, it is a very popular area for camping and hiking. But from all of the reviews that I read about this trail, while everyone did say that it was incredibly challenging, they also said that the views were a 100% worth it. So it really was no wonder as to why Meredith would choose this trail to start out her new year. Now, on the day of the 1st, Julia decided that she wanted to continue her New Year's Day celebration. So after reading the note that Meredith had left on the chalkboard, she went out and continued her New Year's celebration and came back later in the day and just assumed that Meredith had made it back, however, didn't physically check in with her. But you guys know if you've ever experienced having a roommate before, sometimes you go in and out of the house without checking in or, you know, talking or seeing each other. And that's exactly what happened. And Julia didn't think anything of it until the next morning, which was January 2nd. Now, Julia and Meredith had pretty much established a routine. And this routine was that Meredith always had to wake up super early for work. And when she did that, she would place Ella in Julia's room and Julia would take care of her in the morning morning, take her outside, feed her, before bringing her back in before she herself left for work. And then while Julia was gone at work, Meredith would come back and take care of Ella throughout the rest of the day. So that is the routine that the two of them had established. However, when Julia woke up on the morning of January 2nd and noticed that Ella was not in her room, nor was she anywhere in the apartment, Julia started to get a little worried. Now, Julia started calling Meredith's cell phone, however, it was going straight to voicemail. And so Julia went on to work, went on with the rest of her day, and she wasn't super worried until she got a call from one of Meredith's co-workers who said that Meredith never showed up for work that day. And Meredith was a very reliable and responsible person, and she was not the type that was just going to not show up to work without any explanation. So that is when Julia knew that something was definitely wrong, and she drove over to the sheriff's office to file a missing persons report now the next thing that julia decided to do is she decided to call up some of meredith's friends because they had absolutely no idea where meredith went hiking that day meredith never said on the note where exactly she was going hiking so julia had no clue where she went when she went hiking that day so she called up her friends They all met at Julia and Meredith's apartment and they started looking through a lot of Meredith's books. And Meredith had a lot of books on different hiking trails and she would highlight the ones that she wanted to go to or the ones that she wanted to explore, the ones that she'd already been to. So all of them started going through these books and decided that they were going to split up into groups and drive to all of the different trails that were highlighted in Meredith's books and see if they could find her car So that is what they did until ultimately one of the friend groups found Meredith's car at the bottom of the trail at Blood Mountain. Now the friend groups immediately informed the others and they all raced over to Blood Mountain and started hiking the trail to see if they could come across either Meredith or Ella. However, they couldn't find either. And you have to give a lot of props to Julia and Meredith's friends because this was a very creative way to find out where Meredith went that day day. Now they searched the trail all throughout the night of the 2nd and unfortunately they weren't able to find anything. No Meredith, no Ella, nothing. And they started to get very worried because they didn't know if Meredith was injured on the trail somewhere and it was starting to get dark and the temperatures were starting to drop. But ultimately there was really nothing that they could do and so they went back home that night and resumed their search again Thursday, which was the following morning on January 4th. However, this time, they were not alone. This time, the authorities had met them at the bottom of the trail, and they all joined together and started searching. And this time, when they all searched together, they did come across a couple items. Now, along the trail, authorities were able to find Meredith's water bottle, Ella's dog leash, as well as a police baton. Now, where these items were discovered, the ground looked very disheveled as if there was a struggle that took place. And this was obviously very concerning. These are not the items you want to be finding at all. And finding a police baton was very weird in this situation. It's kind of like which item doesn't belong in this group and it's the police baton. Now during their investigation on January 3rd, police then called out to 19 different agencies to help with the search of Meredith as well as put out a public request to anyone who was on the trail on the day of January 1st who saw Meredith. And when they did that, they actually got multiple people calling in who said that they were on the Blood Mountain Trail on January 1st, and they did in fact see Meredith that day, and they said that she was seen talking to an older man. And they also said that this older man had a reddish dog, and they described this man as being very strange-looking and wiry. Those were the two adjectives that were used to describe him. He was described as a white male between the ages of 50 and 60 years old, and he was around 160 pounds and many people said that he was driving a white van they saw him get in and out of this white van and police were actually able to find a picture of the white van because a hiker had actually taken a picture of their own car in the parking lot and in the background of this picture was this white van so police had a photo image of what the white van was presumed to have looked like and they also put out this physical description into the public along with the idea of the white van. And police were hoping that with the physical description and the car that someone would come forward and say that either they knew this person or they know who this person was or at the very least just give them more information. And that is exactly what ended up happening. There was actually a man who called in and said that he believed that he knew exactly who the man with Meredith was. Now the man who called was named John Tabor and when he got in touch with police, he said that he was pretty sure that the guy that they were looking for was a man named Gary Hilton. Now gary hilton grew up being raised by his mother and stepfather who was a horse trainer in argentina now when gary was 14 years old he actually took a gun and shot his stepfather however he did not kill him gary was then put in a mental hospital in miami and once he was released he went on to high school and eventually went on to join the army now in the army he handled special weapons and atomic bombs Now being in the army was really the only job that Gary ever had other than being a manipulative con man. Gary spent a lot of his time scamming people. He claimed that he was running a charity for children when in reality, he was just pocketing all of the money that he was getting and spending it elsewhere. But Gary was actually incredibly smart. He has an IQ of 120, which is well above average. And you might be wondering how John Tabor knew who Gary Hilton was. And that would be because Gary kind of worked as a freelancer for John Tabor. All in all, Gary had worked for John for about 10 years, just doing some odd jobs here and there and working with John wherever he needed it. Now, not only did the physical description spark John's interest of thinking that this could be Gary, but Gary also spent a lot of time at Blood Mountain. It was somewhere he went quite frequently and somewhere that John remembered that Gary would talk about a lot. Not only that, John knew that Gary always carried an expandable police baton with him, just like the one the police found on the trail. John also knew that Gary had a reddish dog. Dogs were really the only thing that Gary was incredibly passionate about, and John knew that Gary liked to camp. Gary was very much a drifter. He liked to camp in isolation for certain periods of time, and John said whenever Gary came back to work for him, he always had some crazy bizarre story but somehow in these stories Gary was always the victim These stories included Gary getting into altercations with dog owners. Gary would tell John that he would try to reprimand these dog owners for how they treated their dog, and it would result in either the dog owner getting defensive and mad at Gary, or it would lead to a verbal or sometimes even physical altercation. But again, Gary was always the victim in this because he was just trying to help people out on how to treat their dogs now once 2007 rolled around which is one year before meredith went missing john said that he noticed a big change in gary it was like a switch automatically flipped. Gary just one day stopped showing up to work for John, and John decided that he was going to go over to Gary's house and kind of see what the deal is, see what was up, and when he went there, he noticed a startling change in Gary's appearance. Gary looked extremely disheveled and was actually missing several teeth at that point. Now, Gary told John that he did it himself. He actually took a pair of pliers and removed his teeth himself. Gary said he actually Actually liked it because he said he wanted to scare people and he even threatened to kill John at a certain point and it worried John so much that John ended up carrying a gun around with him Everywhere he went, and then one day Gary just got up and skipped town, and John felt very relieved. However, no one knew where Gary went. Now, weirdly enough, a couple years prior to 2008, Gary had actually helped one of his friends create a movie. The movie was called Deadly Run, and it was more of a low-budget film. But Gary was working on it with one of his friends, and the plot of the movie is just what makes this whole thing in incredibly eerie. Now the plot of this movie was it was about these girls who would go hiking in the woods and they would find a guy and they would befriend this guy and essentially this man would kidnap them and hunt them down in the woods and then kill them. Now if that plot sounds familiar to you, it is because it is a true crime case in and of itself, it's a whole different one, and we've actually covered that case here. We covered the case of Robert Hansen, and we talked about how Robert would fly different women to an island and hunt them down before killing them. So the plot of the movie was basically exactly that, and I wasn't able to figure out if that was done on purpose or if it was just by coincidence, but there are a lot of similarities between this movie and Robert Robert Hansen, and this movie, and essentially what happened in this case. Now, Gary was heavily involved in the entirety of this film, and his favorite part of this film was actually teaching the lead actor how to come off as a serial killer. Now, Gary's friend, who actually made the movie, said that Gary always tried to make the movie more dark and twisted than it was written out to be. Gary was actually the one that suggested that they should film the movie in the woods in general, and it's just really crazy to see that and then see the similarities in this case and what we're going to continue to talk about here. And by the way, just a weird fact in this case, is that the friend who actually made the movie, he was the owner, the original owner of Gary's dog. Gary actually stole this man's dog and then raised it as his own. Because like I said, the only thing that Gary cared about in the world was dogs, weirdly enough. So when police got all of this information, now they were on a manhunt to find Gary Hilton. Now on January 3rd, 2008, this was after John had told police that he believed that the man that Meredith was with based off of the description was Gary Hilton. John actually received a phone call from Gary and it was very ironic because John hadn't heard from Gary in Months Now, when Gary called John, he told John that he was sorry for leaving the work so abruptly, but he just needed to get away. He was mentally ill. However, he was better now and he was ready to get back to work. And while John was on the phone with Gary, he had to make a very quick decision and he decided that he needed to act cool, calm, and collected and act like there wasn't a multi-state manhunt going on for Gary at the moment And it also seemed like Gary wasn't aware of what was going on either. He mentioned absolutely nothing of this manhunt. And John actually decided in that moment to come up with a strategy to try and trap gary and lure him into police custody so while john was on the phone he told gary to swing by his office and he will leave a check for the money that he owed gary for all of the work that he had done and that gary can come by grab the check and then he can continue working for john as normal now after he did that john then called authorities and let them know of the plan now john gave authorities the name of the location and they staked out the area and waited Gary. However, the time came and passed and Gary never showed up. Now, the next day on January 4th, 2008, there was actually a woman who found a black lab mix wandering stray around a parking lot of a grocery store. The woman actually took the dog to a local vet and through the chip that the dog had, they were able to identify this dog to be Ella, who again was Meredith's lab. So now, even though authorities didn't have Meredith, they did have. Ella who was also missing this entire time as well and that same day January 4th authorities got a call from one of Gary's friends who told them that Gary had actually called her asking for money and while this friend was on the phone with Gary she basically told him like don't you realize that there is a nationwide manhunt going on for you and apparently Gary just did not respond and he immediately hung up the phone. Now police were able to trace the phone call and figured out that it was made from a payphone near a convenience store where Ella had actually been found. So police went to that payphone where the convenience store was and started searching the area and they came across a dumpster. And in that dumpster is where they found more of Meredith's belongings. They discovered Meredith's purse as well as three t-shirts with blood on them. Now, not too long after that is when police got their break. 911 calls started pouring in late on January 4th and multiple people said that they spotted Gary Hilton hilton's white van and red dog in a chevron parking lot in dunwoody georgia police raced down to the chevron station and that is when they found gary hilton cleaning out his white van but luckily they were able to catch him right in time before he cleaned the whole thing with bleach and right there right then gary hilton was arrested now before we move on any further i want to take a minute and thank our sponsors Do you ever fantasize about who you'd be if you lived somewhere different? Maybe you'd surf if you lived by the beach. Or maybe if you lived in the city, you would live above a coffee shop and finally be able to write that novel you've always dreamed of. Or if you had a dishwasher, maybe you'd actually be able to start cooking and make a proper dinner at home. With over 1 million available units for rent on Apartments.com, the you abilities are endless. Apartments.com lets you narrow down exactly what you want and when you want it. And with their instant alert, you'll never miss out on seeing what could be your new perfect place. Apartments.com has helped millions of renters find their perfect place to live, whether that's an apartment, a townhome, or even a house. And they can help you find exactly what it is that you're looking for. Visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. Now, once Gary was brought in by authorities, he requested a lawyer immediately and refused to speak to police without one. And then after discussing with his lawyers, Gary and his lawyer came up with a plea deal. Now, the deal was, is that Gary was going to plead guilty for the murder of Meredith, and he was also going to bring police where he disposed of her body. However, in return, the death penalty needed to be taken off the table completely. Now, at this point, authorities main objective and main goal was to find meredith so if that meant taking the death penalty off the table then so be it for them so they decided to accept this plea deal and gary pled guilty to the murder of meredith and he was then put in a van and he led authorities down a trail at dawson forest now dawson forest is located in dawson georgia just about an hour north of where meredith lived in Now, before they got there gary told authorities exactly where meredith's body was going to be found he said that it was going to be about 120 feet into the woods from where the trail was and that she was going to be covered by leaves and by different sticks and brush in the forest and he also said that meredith's head was going to be missing gary hilton had decapitated Meredith Emerson. Now Gary is basically explaining this all to police in his interrogation and hearing the interrogation is chilling because it sounds as if Gary is literally just putting in a to-go order at a restaurant. He is cool, calm, and as collected as could be, and also didn't forget to mention to authorities that the quote-unquote only reason the head is missing is for forensics, end quote. What he means by that is that he decapitated Meredith for the purpose of no one being able to identify her right when her body was discovered. Now, after Gary told police where they would find Meredith, police then followed his instructions and discovered her body on January 4th, 2008. Now, as you can imagine, everyone was absolutely heartbroken because they were still kind of holding on to hope that Meredith would be found alive lives. So now that Gary had taken this plea deal, and now that authorities had discovered her body, it was time for Gary to talk about what happened to Meredith. Now, Gary said that on the day of January 1st, when Meredith was on the Blood Mountain Trail, Gary said that while Meredith was on the trail, he ambushed her. However, he did say that Meredith put up a fight. I mentioned in the beginning how she had a martial arts background, and Gary ambushed her with a knife, which Meredith Meredith was actually able to knock out of his hands. And she also was able to knock out the baton out of his hands as well. Gary said, quote unquote, she fought like hell man. Gary went on to say that the two of them tussled around with each other and that she fought so hard that they fell off the trail together. However, eventually Gary wore Meredith down. He then took Meredith into his van and threatened her by telling her that he had a gun. He made her get into the van before he chained her into the back of the car. He then stole Meredith's credit cards and while she was in the back of his van, they drove 12 miles to an atm and gary tried to take money out of the atm with the pin that meredith gave him however the pin number was not working now it's actually believed that meredith was giving gary the wrong pin number on purpose to essentially prolong her chances of survival because she thought if i could spend more time with him and if he drives me around more then maybe i'll be able to get out of this situation so after driving from Blood Mountain to Blairsville, which was 12 miles north, and having an unsuccessful attempt at the ATM, Gary then drove her to Gainesville, to another ATM. However, that didn't work either. Now, after two failed attempts at the ATM, Gary and Meredith set up camp in a remote spot in Gainesville, and that is where he held Meredith captive in the woods for three days. Gary said that he told Meredith the whole time that he was going to release her after four days on January 4th, which again was the day that her body was discovered. He said on the morning of the 4th, he continued with this narrative that he was going to keep her alive, and he started packing up the van while she was chained to a tree. However, after making several trips back and forth from the van to the campsite, Gary then bludgeoned Meredith over the head with a tire iron until she was dead and then continued to decapitate her. So that is what happened to Meredith. That is what Gary said he did to Meredith and it is heart-wrenching to hear that he killed Meredith just hours before he was found and arrested. Now, on January 30th, 2008, Gary Hilton was charged in the murder of Meredith Emerson and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Now, this is when things take a turn and we are going to reverse back for a moment and go back and talk about the manhunt, when John had told police that he believed the man that Meredith was with was Gary Hilton, and Gary Hilton's name and pictures were all plastered over the news. Now, when this was happening, police got many, many tips. However, the tips weren't all for Meredith's case. Like I said, Gary's pictures were plastered everywhere in Georgia and in the surrounding states, and that is when something unexpected happened now when gary's pictures were posted everywhere it reminded certain people of a man that was last seen with another missing woman this woman was someone who went missing just one month prior to meredith in december of 2007. cheryl dunlap from florida was last seen in december 2007 after she didn't show up for church one sunday morning to teach her sunday school class Cheryl was 46 years old and just like Meredith was extremely reliable and someone who wouldn't just not show up to their job one day. Cheryl also worked as a nurse practitioner when she wasn't working at Sunday school and her friends had gone to her house after church that day to see if she was there and that's when they discovered that Cheryl's car was gone. Her friends started calling her office and that's when they learned that she never showed up to her nurse practitioner job and her daughter-in-law filed a missing persons report. And shortly after that, Cheryl's friends found out that Cheryl's car had been spotted on the side of the highway, almost facing in to a wooded area in Tallahassee. When they got there, they were able to confirm that it was Cheryl's car, and when her car was found, it was discovered that she had a slashed tire, and that's when the search immediately began for Cheryl. Police and her friends got together to form search parties to look through the wooded area, and four days after Cheryl went missing, Police went and looked at her bank records and found that there was activity at an ATM in Leon County. And when they went and looked at the video, it was chilling. Now, it was very clear in the video that the person using Cheryl's credit cards was not Cheryl. Now, the person in the video was a male. However, they could not see his face because he had a weird, creepy mask on in the ATM footage. Now, several weeks after Cheryl went missing with no new developments, two hikers were walking through the woods near where Cheryl's car was discovered, and they noticed vultures flying around in the sky. When the vultures went down, the hikers saw what they were after, and it was a body. The body that was found was a female body that had been decapitated and was also missing its hands. Now, ultimately, after taking DNA from Cheryl's toothbrush, they were able to connect the dots and identify the body as Cheryl Dunlap. Now, over a year and a half after Gary was charged with Meredith's murder, a hiker found camping supplies that was believed to belong to Gary Hilton in September of 2009. Now, these supplies were turned over to authorities and Gary Hilton was sent to trial again, but this time for the murder of Cheryl Dunlap. Now, here's the weird part, because Gary was incredibly forthcoming when it came to Meredith Emerson's case. He told police, everything. However, it was different with Cheryl's case. He did not talk about Cheryl whatsoever. He did not admit to it. Nothing. However, after the trial was completed and the jury deliberated for four hours, Gary Hilton was found guilty of the murder of Cheryl Dunlap. And on February 2nd, 2011, he was officially sentenced to death and sent to Florida's death Rowe. So even though his plea deal got him out of the death penalty for Meredith, it did not do the same for Cheryl. Now, there is one more couple that Gary is the main suspect for murder in, and that would be 80 and 84-year-old John and Irene Bryant. On October 21st, 2007, the two were living in Horseshoe, North Carolina, when they left for a hike through Pisgah National Forest. After their family hadn't heard from them in two weeks, they were reported missing, and police began their search, which consisted of over 30 volunteers, cadavered Dogs and a helicopter. When looking into their cell phone records, they found that Irene had attempted to call 911 on the day of her disappearance. However, the signal was lost and the call was dropped. Now, on November 10th, 2007, there was a body of a woman found on the Barnett Branch Trail, which was 30 minutes away from the trail that the couple was set to hike on and the body found was covered in leaves. Three days later, the body was positively identified as Irene and Irene had been bludgeoned to death. Then a couple months later on February 3rd, 2008, a hunter had found a skull in the Nantahala National Forest, which is about two and a half hours away from where they were originally set to hike. They then found a pelvis and a spine 20 yards away from the skull, and the medical examiner was able to identify that body as belonging to John Bryant. Now, like I said, Gary Hilton has never been charged with the murder. However, due to the consistency in MOs and how the bodies were disposed of and the fact that they were on a hiking trail, people do believe that he was responsible for that one as well. Now in 2018, so about four years ago, Gary did try to overturn his death sentence claiming that his defense team was dysfunctional and ineffective. However, his attempt was unsuccessful and he is still currently sitting on death row at Florida Department of Corrections. Now he is currently 74 years old, so he's either going to die in prison of some sort of illness or natural cause or he will be executed. Now this case is is absolutely heartbreaking the fact that Meredith put up such a strong fight and the fact that she fought to the very end the fact that police found Gary just hours after Meredith had been bludgeoned to death is incredibly infuriating and frustrating and sad and Gary Hilton is a terrifying individual he is a terrifying human being everyone who knew him said that he appeared to be a sociopath a narcissist all of it. However, luckily he was found and justice was able to be served towards Meredith and towards Cheryl. However, again, we still don't know about John and Irene Bryant, but that is the case of Meredith Emerson and the shorter version of the case of Cheryl Dunlap. And I am very interested to see what you guys have to say about it. So with that being said, you guys, that is all for me today. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Killer Instinct. Again, if you are new here, hi, my name is Savannah and I'm your host of Killer Instinct. Make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button. That way you never miss an episode. We post weekly on the podcast every Wednesday and then again every Thursday on YouTube as well. You're not gonna wanna miss it. I'll be back next week with a brand new case for you guys. And until then, stay safe. Bye, guys.